0: Hello! Welcome to the Jericho Comedy Podcast. We're Jericho Comedy. Yes, the same Jericho Comedy who have won all of those awards. We want to use this podcast as a way to connect our lovely audiences with some of our brilliant acts. I'm Conor McReynolds. This week I'm chatting to the fantastic Fiona Ridgewell. Jericho audiences on know Fiona. She regularly hosts Jericho Comedy. She's performed with us this summer at some of our drive-in shows. And earlier this year, Fiona was nominated for Best Debut Show at the Leicester Comedy Festival. She's absolutely fantastic. Later, you're going to be hearing a set recorded live at Jericho Comedy. And we'll also be playing you a message from our brilliant charity partner, Oxfordshire With Your Mind. But first, here is the fantastic Fiona Ridgewell. <music> Fiona, hello. Thank you so much for joining me on the Jericho Comedy Podcast.
1: Hello, thanks for having me.
0: Oh, how are you? I'm
1: I'm really good, thank you, actually, considering uh the the world circumstances. I'm I'm quite sprightly.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well you uh you've kind of taken this seemingly in your stride a little bit. I mean you've been doing like all the kind of new kinds of gigs there are, like you've done a lot of Online gigs, is that right? And
1: yeah, I did some online. Yeah,
0: drive in and all that stuff. How are you finding the kind of the new world of comedy?
1: Um, I miss the old world.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: but I in en- I have enjoyed what I've done. To be honest, I did my first driving gig with Jericho,
0: and yeah. I was so
1: nervous. Like oh, the sort you of
0: Smashed it though. You were great.
1: Oh, thank you. The nerves that you have when you sort of start comedy, I had those again. Um, yeah. But it was, it was really nice, actually. And it, it um they sort of bib where they're meant to laugh. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that almost gives you a little bit of a rhythm. Um, and then the outdoor gigs, I feel they're sort of quite similar to a, a normal indoor gig. Yeah. I, I think they're a bit different for the audience because um, my dad came and watched one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and he said, oh, I didn't get as much of the atmosphere. But obviously that's because normally in a comedy club, you're packed in, you're right next to someone yeah, sort of sharing of the laughter, Yeah, whereas yeah. he was sort of on his own. But as a performer, the, out, the outdoor gigs are, are sort of really nice.
0: Yeah, they're kind of the closest we're going to have for a little while to sort of normal gigs. Aren't yeah. They? And, yeah, and they felt
1: quite normal because there was still that sort of interaction and you feed off the laughter and, yeah. Yeah. And you still feel like you're performing and I, I enjoyed them. I still got that buzz from them, yeah.
0: And how about the online gigs? Have they been a bit of a mix or...?
1: Definitely a mix. Um, (laughs) I think that really depends, like, how they're set up. So some of them, uh, like, the first one I did was Facebook Live. Oh, wow. Yeah, so you're just literally, like, on autopilot talking into your camera and you have no idea if you're doing all right or if anyone's on the other end so that felt really weird um and then they started doing these zoom ones where you had a front row yeah and you could see them and you could hear them and that felt more like a normal gig so i enjoyed those ones um but i'm doing the the funny women semi-final i think next week and they're doing it online
0: Oh, right. Wow.
1: Yeah. So does that
0: uh, does it change the way that you kind of have to approach it if it's an online? Well, they're thing, almost or...
1: doing like little workshops. So I think they've got like a little workshop this Thursday to sort of give tips and stuff on how to do it oh, online. Wow. Because I did one gig and they didn't let us see the audience on the screen so you could okay. hear them, but you couldn't see them. And then uh, they said, like, you shouldn't, I want you to have it on, um, so not gallery view, whatever that
0: is. Uh, this is all new to yeah, me. I am I can't I remember no what it's idea. called,
1: but it's where you only sort of see yourself. Um, okay. But then the performer after me had it where he could see everyone and it, it felt more normal because he was referring oh. to audience members. Yeah. About sort of where they were, so someone was in a pub watching it. And this was oh, like right. early on lockdown, so he made a a bit out of why is there a man in a pub? Does he live there? Does he work there? What's going on? Yeah. Um yeah. so re- yeah, it really depends on how it's set up by the actual sort of promoter.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Um it's it's not something I've done. Like Jericho, we did run some shows with Next Up kind of earlier on oh, okay, online. Yeah. And they were really cool, like they were really fun, but as you say, just really different um
1: did you watch I, them
0: i did watch them yeah yeah I, I really the... enjoyed them but yeah. it it was just so different so some formats worked really really well we had uh chris betts do his show Oh
1: yeah yeah
0: and he was a bit uh, i think uh, kind of chatting to alex and harry beforehand he was a bit unsure about how it would go yeah. um because it's so heavily involves like interaction with the audience and stuff and actually like it it's a format that was kind of tailor-made oh, for lovely. online gigs It worked so so well um and then but other ones uh I mean they were all brilliant but other ones you could tell that the performers kind of maybe weren't as used to being online uh yeah. as and I, I've not done any online gigs so I can't imagine how tricky it would be oh, the um, worst
1: is when when your signal isn't good
0: yeah yeah because
1: I had one and I was constantly sort of being thrown out of the gig and coming back in and it oh was, man <laughs> oh it was so awful and they were like no keep trying to come back in and I, I was like sweating I was getting really panicked because I was oh, like no. it just keeps throwing me back out and you'd be telling a story but you didn't know if if the internet was sort of breaking it up or if anyone could hear it it was really I'm trying odd. to
0: imagine like what's the real world equivalent to that like they just kind of throw you off stage and you have I to kinda of yeah. clamber back on. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and the lights just suddenly going off and then coming back on and the microphone turning off and then turning back on. Like it was that oh, sort of vibe.
0: Man. It was really, really difficult to maintain your yeah. flow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that sounds awful. I mean, before lockdown and before all of this, uh, things were really exciting. I mean you've got the, the funny women semi-final next week. That's yeah. super exciting. But you were at the Leicester Comedy Festival in February with your your debut show and you were nominated for Best Debut, which was amazing.
1: Yeah, that that was quite funny, actually, because I I normally do Leicester. So I did it the year. I think I've done it three times, but like normally with um, a split show. And uh, yeah. I met my friend Maddie Campion, who's also a comedian. Yes. And um, yeah. she was like, oh, the, the deadline for the brochure needs to be done. Like, you have to... F-, and I was like, oh, God, I, I didn't know. So we popped into Five Guys and she was doing mine for me on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it says, um, let the judges in. And I said to her, I'll put no. And uh, she put Yes. Which is why they came in and oh. because if it had been me filling it out, I would have put no, which is silly, really. Because the worst that happens is you don't get yeah, nominated,
0: yeah. Um,
1: like they're not, they're not gonna put a list of the worst shows they saw, um, <laughs> I don't think they might do that.
0: Would be brutal, <laughs> yeah. like the comedy Razzies, that would be yeah. so horrible.
1: Um, so it was actually her doing that meant I got nominated, so even when they came out. The nominations came out. Um, someone messaged me and said, "Oh, congratulations." I was like, oh, "What are you talking about?" And then it came through.
0: <laughs> but I wasn't
1: even expecting it because I hadn't even put myself sort of forward for it. She That's had.
0: really funny. That's really really. Yeah. Funny.
1: But it was really so nice.
0: The show is called Contender.
1: Yeah, well, was called Contender. Was. Yeah,
0: <laughs> tell us about it.
1: Um so basically, I had signed up for a white collar boxing match. Okay. so it was about the sort of training for the white collar boxing match Um, so I've been training down
0: the I mean obviously I know what a white collar boxing match is because I'm a very manly man but some of our listeners might not be as manly and and knowledgeable as me okay I don't know what a white collar boxing match is
1: so (laughs) basically it's just where you think oh I'm going to try something different and you sign up to a um, boxing match but it's not amateur or professional You're doing it for charity, so you raise money for charity to do it um, and you train for 10 weeks and then you're putting a boxing ring in front of 2,000 people.
0: Oh, my God.
1: And you fight each other (laughs) for...
0: Oh, my God, and you don't even get any money for it. You're raising money for someone else while you get punched in the face.
1: Exactly, yeah. That's
0: incredibly good of you. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, Well, it was sort of something I wanted to do, which now looking back, I'm like, why did you want to do that? (laughs) and why but the actual fight was meant to be on the 20th of march so
0: oh, yeah no. so i i
1: did all the training till like the 18th of march and then they said oh, we can't go ahead with it um which was obviously the right call but yeah. i'll just never i'll never know i'll never know what is it
0: not something that you'll want to pick up again after all this or
1: well to be honest connor um <laughs> <laughs> You have to do 10 weeks of training, which includes sparring, which for you and you, the manly man and of the course. people listening, it's um, <laughs> basically someone punches you in the face and you say, oh, thank you, I learned a lot from that, I'll see you again tomorrow. And you repetitively sort of get punched in the face for 10 weeks and I, it's the 10 weeks bit. I don't know if I want to do it yeah. again because I, I did that and um, towards the end I, I stopped loving it, to be honest. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I have never been punched in the face.
1: Yeah, I, don't, I think it's something you can go without doing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you don't recommend it?
1: <laughs> no, I'm not like, I'm really glad I know what that feels like now. Um, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend it. Um, although, to be honest, because I've been, uh, been listening to a lot of self-help in, right. uh, in, <laughs> in lockdown. Yeah, and a lot of yeah. it is your sort of happiest in the present moment. And I realized okay. a lot of the things I do, comedy and boxing it brings you into that moment. Yeah. So it, it weirdly is enjoyable when you're doing it, but yeah. before you get punched in the face and after, it's not great. <laughs> but whilst being punched, you're like, "Oh, but yeah, I'm, the I'm moment
0: here. the glove connects with your chin, you're like, "Ah, this is living."
1: Yeah) <laughs> <laughs> You're making me sound crazy, but yeah, that's what it's like. <laughs> Like oh, this is real life oh this is uh, this is what it feels like to feel um so yeah, it was all about it was all about that, um, and what was weird as well is the the training the boxing gym where I trained um the trainer was my um old school bully, like
0: no yeah, way. genuinely
1: it was, so it was a lot to do with that sort of relationship. 'Cause you have to put a lot of trust in your trainer because
0: Oh my god.
1: If it's going wrong it's up to them to sort of throw the towel in and go like, No, get her out get her out of there. Yeah. And yeah. it was almost like I had something to prove, I think, to to him and to myself.
0: Oh my god, that's so interesting. Yeah. Is it something you talked about with him or
1: What that he used to bully me? Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> oh wow
1: yeah I was like did you remember when you used to bullied me and he was like yeah, oh yeah but you know I was trying to help you all the other people I bullied have, have come out really well and I was like that is quite toxic
0: <laughs> oh my god he yeah. sounds mad Um,
1: yeah Uh, but yeah and he said um, he's, so there's a thing called the corner which is on the night where they're, they're in the corner and between the rounds they'll give you advice on what to do yeah yeah,
0: um, yeah.
1: The next the next sort of round and he's like but i'll I normally you know i charge about 250 quid but i'll do yours for free because i bullied you all those years <laughs> like, oh yeah that that makes up for the three thousand pound i spent changing my teeth because you called me Ratbird for five years so <laughs> thank oh you oh my
0: god <laughs> this is absolutely mad
1: um yeah but it, it was interesting and uh i haven't been doing the training since I go there like once a week now because I do enjoy the, the boxing, but I'm not being punched in the face at the moment.
0: Yeah, that Which... sounds like a nice balance to find.
1: Yeah, exactly. You sort of get the exercise <laughs> and uh, get your frustrations out, but you don't get hit in the face. So it's really Yeah.
0: Nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of, of kind of being hit in the face, I guess for some people, August is usually one extended punch oh, in the face with yeah. Edinburgh. How does it feel not being there this year?
1: Um, It is it's definitely weird. And it I don't know how I feel about... It's, it's weird. I don't know if a lot of comedians are doing it thinking about next year, will I go? Like, it's almost yeah. like this doesn't exist now, so what will happen next year? But I had quite a tough year last year. um. So I was quite negative about Edinburgh last year. Just because... Right. Um, I was in a venue and I really struggled to get people in. Okay. And it was frustrating because when people came in, it was a nice show. But every day it was like, oh, there's five people here. Oh, there's six people here.
0: Yeah, and you can sort yeah. of see your
1: money going down the drain. And then I think it was about five days before the end, I stepped off a curb and my foot just broke underneath me. <laughs> <gasps> oh, no. Oh, yeah, gosh. It just This woman went... Oh, I heard that. Are you OK? And I was like, oh, I'm absolutely fine. And then sort of hobbled away, uh, watched a show. And during this 60 minutes, my foot was just swelling up. Oh um, and then I went to A&E and it was broken. And then the next day I did my show and I was like laying on a couch. And I thought the audience would be like, oh, wow, mm-hmm. we're seeing something that's never <laughs> happened. Like, bit-. And they were like, get up and be funny, please. <laughs> so. <laughs> That was the end of my Edinburgh, to be honest. That is just a moon boot the and audience. crutches, yeah.
0: Oh man! And so this year would have been, con- you would have been bringing contender. Was that the plan?
1: Yeah, it was to do my debut. Mm. Um, yeah. So I was like, I was in talks with producers and things like that, and that was yeah. all going quite well. Um, and I was definitely nervous about it because you're always you're investing a lot in yourself. Yeah. Um. But yeah, just never know what what could have been to be honest. And so,
0: are you just thinking, kind of, that contender was sort of a, a show for this particular time in your life, and that maybe it won't be relevant next year, or can you take bits of it and still? I work reckon. With
1: I, it? Yeah, I reckon I could maybe take bits of it, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know because basically they've rescheduled the fight for next March. Cause oh first, okay. Yeah. First of all, they were like, "Oh, it'll be May." And then it was like, oh, this is going on longer than we expected. <laughs> it'll be yeah. September. And then the last one was it'll be December. And then about two days ago, they were like, it'll be March. But, it, yeah, it's whether I want to do yeah. it. Uh, because as well, I think, obviously, I know I can be punched in the face and I know I can punch someone else. Um, although they did say I don't really have the killer instinct. <laughs> so oh, I mean,
0: wow. So that's, <laughs> was this your bully who told you this?
1: Yeah, they are like, you need to be a bit, a bit angrier. <laughs> like, you need an angry voice in the back of your head. And I was like, oh, hopefully it shouts louder than all the other voices. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, it was... Uh, I don't know how it would have gone, but what I wanted to know, because I think it would have helped with comedy as well and just for my own sort of self-confidence, if yeah. I could have held my nerve in front of 2,000 people and sort of stuck to the game plan because i think a lot of people get in there and although they've done 10 weeks of training all those eyes on you you suddenly just yeah, flinging yeah. your arms about and hoping for the best but i don't know if sort of my experience in comedy would have helped because i'm sort of used to people looking at me
0: yeah yeah
1: so i just wanted to see how it all sort of came together
0: that's such an interesting challenge does that yourself i mean yeah <laughs>
1: yeah were easier ways to do it <laughs> <laughs> i don't think it needed to be a boxing match in front of 2000 strangers um but that's, that's quite an
0: extreme if... version of the challenge yeah. yeah
1: yeah but the thing is as well if they do it next march i don't know if you could have 2000 people inside
0: oh yeah of course i guess maybe like 600 people in a 2000 seat venue so, or something yeah
1: so i don't i don't know because i've done I've probably done comedy to sort of 600 people, but I've not done it to in the thousands. Yet.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to talk to you about like when you first started. I mean, how long have you been been gigging now? Uh, I
1: think it's about six years now.
0: Six years. Why? Wow. And when, yeah. like, what made you want to try it? Was there a comedian that you saw that you kind of thought, wow, they're brilliant. I could do that. Or.
1: Um. So I'd never really watched a lot of comedy. And then um, I, I'd always done dance and acting and singing, stuff like yeah, that.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And I was getting a bit frustrated with it because to get on stage and to get in productions, you need to get an agent and you need to be invited into an audition room.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And then I went and saw my friend Joey Page, who's <sighs> been doing comedy for, it must be about 15 years now, maybe. OK. And he, we went to school together and he invited me along to a gig and I was chatting to him after, and he was like, yeah, you just sort of get up there. And I was like, oh, OK, well, I'm going to yeah. do that then. Because it, it just felt like you were more in control and you could work as hard as you wanted, and if you worked hard at it, then you would eventually get somewhere with it. Whereas yeah, the dancing and acting, it was always a lot of doors being slammed in your face. And, yeah. and you weren't even getting to show you know, what you'd worked on and whether you mm-hmm. were a good dancer or actor or... Whereas comedy, you get up there and you don't know who's in the audience and you just go, well, this is what I've got. Hopefully you like it.
0: (laughs) It's such, like you say, it's such an interesting thing where comedy in some ways, obviously there are uh, circumstances and backgrounds from which people do have a a little bit of a head start. Yeah. Um, I mean, the number of comedians that go to kind of Eton and private schools and stuff, obviously Mm. that gives you a certain advantage. Cambridge Footlights is another one. But generally speaking, I think it's fair to say if you write lots, gig loads, work hard, improve, that comedy is quite fair in kind of giving you next steps. Do you think that's fair to say? Yeah,
1: that's what it felt like. And that's what I liked about it. And I think that's sort of been my little fear in lockdown um, is that if the live circuit disappears, comedy will become more like acting where you're get an agent and you'll need to audition to yeah. get... Because uh, there'll have to be some sort of entry to getting on a TV show now that isn't them watching you at a gig, if if the live... Yeah. Circuit. I don't think the live circuit will disappear, but obviously where you've got time to overthink, you're like, oh, is it going yeah. to end up like that where all the actors are on some sort of... um With uh, with the comedians... Because with acting, there's something called Spotlight and you're all in that sort of directory. Yes
0: yeah yeah so
1: I don't know if I want that to happen with comedy where we're all in a little directory and they're like right we need a girl let's look up who we've got bring them (laughs) in let's see what they've got and then you stand in front of three people behind a desk and tell your jokes like i think that'd be awful
0: <laughs> that would be pretty grim yeah. yeah i think that that would just mean i would never tell another joke again exactly my if that was it um <laughs> i saw a cool thing on your spotlight this is a total sidetrack but i was kind of oh looking God. you up earlier watching some of your clips and stuff and you've performed at the empire in belfast
1: oh yeah yeah i did do that um, that's really
0: cool tell me about that because that's where i got married last year i got married at the empire oh
1: which is yeah, yeah yeah I
0: love it so much. It's such a great venue, but I know that it's it's also like it's one of the best comedy venues in the UK. Like definitely Northern yeah. Ireland's best. So tell me about that gig. Um,
1: so that it was really nice actually, and I was on with really nice comics. I was on with Andrew Ryan. Oh yeah. Do you
0: know
1: Andrew Ryan? Yes, that was not nice.
0: personally, but know of yeah. Yeah,
1: it's really good. Um, but. I think that was one of my first, I think they got me to do like 20, 25 minutes.
0: Oh, right. Okay.
1: And it was one, it was basically for quite a big agency. And they were like, oh, we'll just fly you over to Belfast. You'll do it and come back. But obviously you're like, well, I have to be brilliant then because you're yeah. flying me to <laughs> Belfast. And um, So it was, it was all right. I remember they said, oh, will you come back? And I was like, yeah. Um, but it was, it, I put a lot of pressure on myself because I was like, this has to go well
0: yeah and that makes a
1: lot of difference i think whereas um with gigs before something nice has come out of them because i didn't know anyone in particular was in the audience if you know what so like yeah
0: yeah so you have you
1: to you it's just that gig and you just go oh this is just tonight and let's see if this what comes out of it yeah
0: um
1: but whereas when you know that someone's getting feedback on you that puts another level of pressure on it. Yeah, of
0: course. Yeah. Um,
1: but yeah, the venue's lovely, and they were really nice, and um, and I got to do a longer set there, and yeah, I d- I did enjoy That's it, I, cool. and I would go back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening, Belfast Empire, Fiona is yeah. available. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, Fiona, you've been you've been forming comedy for kind of six years or so, and uh, one of the things that you now kind of do very kindly, you come along to Jericho Comedy quite regularly. And you'll host the show for us. Yeah, I love um, it. Yeah. And you're one of the the kind of we we both are very lucky to be a kind of select few people who Alex Farrow trusts to yeah. to kind of MC Jericho comedy and I think we like us, Harry, Alex, Chelsea Berkby, very few others kind of do it regularly. MCing as a kind of a skill set, it's is it do you think it's fair to say it's quite different? to performing a kind of written set. Like, we get the thing as MCs where people will come up to us and say, oh, you should try comedy as well. And it's yeah. like, fuck you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it is flexing a different comedy muscle. Uh, is that something that you enjoy doing or do you prefer kind of a, a straight sort of set? Or
1: um, I love doing the MCing, actually. And I do think it is a different skill set because I get a completely different um sort of complete different nerves before i go on to mc because there's that feeling of anything could happen
0: yeah 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 like
1: and and also you sort of have a responsibility to the acts to create a nice environment yeah for them um so there's that's that the bit of...
0: that gets me that's yeah. the the pressure of oh god if i'm not immediately funny and likable then the first act's going to have a horrible time and that is entirely my fault. (laughs) Yeah, it's
1: weird because you have that that thought in the back of your head, but actually someone said to me before, it's like you said people say to you, oh, you should do comedy because the audience weirdly aren't actually expecting you to be funny.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So you could get away
1: with just going, this is how the night runs, we're going to have a lovely time, I'll talk to you for a bit, here's a little joke. And, he, and as long as nothing horribly, like, goes <laughs> yeah. horribly wrong in that sort of five, ten minutes, then the night probably will run well. But in your head, yeah, you're like, no, yeah. this has to be brilliant. This has, they have to be really warm and really laughing before I can bring anyone on. Yeah. Um, but I, I think I almost prefer MCing because you sort of get into a flow. And I think I'm more myself that's Whereas, interesting. Yeah, in a set, I try to be myself, but you are restricted by the lines that you've written for yourself. And sometimes you're telling jokes that are two years old. You're like, I'm not really that person anymore. Yeah. Things well, have you, changed.
0: The The subjects that you cover, that's really, really interesting to me because I definitely relate to that. Like When you're emceeing, it's, it's a conversation. Like it's an actual conversation yeah. as opposed to kind of what we've written which we sometimes try to mask it and make it sound like a conversation but really it's a please only laugh when I tell you to laugh kind of thing um but it's interesting to hear you talking about how the the material that you write about maybe isn't uh, as reflective of you as a person when Mm. you're performing it because it's kind of from a different time like you cover quite a range of subjects like you know, you'll talk about boxing, but you also talk about Disney princesses. And yeah. You talk about not being like a girly girl in your stand up. Is that that seems to me like such a kind of rich vein of, of an area to kind of explore that sort of gender uh, expectation of gender? Is that something you really enjoy playing around? Yeah, with?
1: that is actually the newer stuff. So that is the stuff at the moment that I'm quite like, oh, I like this and I want to get deeper into this. Yeah. What I'd be writing about, like, during lockdown is on building on those sort of topics. The older stuff is like, I'll say, um, oh, I got dumped. And it's like, I got dumped like four years ago. Like, let's, (laughs) let's stop. But. It still gets a laugh, and it, it's still like if a gig isn't going that well, I know if I go into that bit of material, it'll probably bring it back a bit. Yeah, but it, yeah. But like you feel like a bit of a fraud because although I am still single, it's <laughs> not like I got dumped last week. It's like, yeah, it happened a long time ago, and he's probably <laughs> yeah. forgotten about it, and I'm not that fussed about it now. But <laughs> I have to say but it. that's the
0: frustrating thing. If you've written a really good joke, then it's like, yeah. damn. Like I'd be doing my job well if I say that and they laugh. But yeah. equally, you kind of don't care anymore.
1: Yeah, and it's almost a disservice to yourself because you're like, oh, I should have moved on from that. There should be something that I can put in that gap.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Of equal sort of, like, that's equally as good, but I haven't got it yet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you ever find when you're emceeing, like, uh, does anything kind of come out of a conversation? Because I guess it's, it's not improv in the sense that, like, give me a location and give me a genre yeah, a film or no. whatever, and then you improv a scene. But you are, you're, you're trying to be funny on the spot, I guess. It's a form of improv, loosely speaking. Does anything ever come out of that that you're like, oh, I could expand on that for a little bit?
1: Yeah, I did. Um, I think the last... I don't know if it was the last time I MC Jericho the time before, but my friend was training to sort of um, do fake tan, and she oh, just right. fake tanned me and I spoke about that. But what was funny is when I turned my palms around, they were just thick brown because she wasn't very good at it yet. Um, but again, is that something... I think that is something I could have developed on because a lot of my friends that are training in things, are like, oh, Fiona, could, you, could we borrow you for this?
0: So my friend was
1: training um, in sort of spirituality, like the crystals. Oh, yeah. And she did all that on me. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, and I think there is something funny in the fact that I'm always the person that they go to to go, I'm not good at this shit, but would you be up for it? And I'm always the idiot that goes, yeah, yeah, do that. Because when they did my crystals, that was... um, She was like, oh, I've realigned all your chakras. And that was when I fell off the pavement and broke my foot. And I was like, well, you have absolutely, like, realigned them incorrectly. um, So, yeah, I, I, I spoke about that. Um, but it's it's whether you trust it enough to go. Oh, I think that could work in a in a set, and, yeah. and spend the time working on it because sometimes I think with the MC in, the audience are like, oh wow, we're seeing something that won't be repeated, and yeah. they they yeah, feel yeah, quite connected to you, and they'll they'll really go with you on things that if you said in a set, people would be like, okay, where's the punchline?
0: Yeah, yeah, hundred percent.
1: I don't know if that's me. Thinking that, or if the audience genu- genuinely are thinking, no,
0: where's the punchline, please? <laughs> yeah, I was chatting to Huge Davis last week, and he was talking about how when he did, uh, you know, Set List, oh, which yeah, is yeah. like the improvised stand up thing, and he was saying that it was really interesting because he was saying stuff that, like you've just said, if he'd written it, people would have been like, fuck you, where's the actual joke? Yeah. But because everybody knows, like, there's no way you could have prepared this expectations are realigned and yeah, they were kind of much more forgiving of it. And I think there's an element of that with, with uh, emceeing as well, that, like you're yeah. responding. So if you're funny, it's great. But if not, you can just say, oh, well, they didn't give me much to work with type <laughs> yeah. thing. Um,
1: but then also I think when you watch um, sort of panel shows, comedians are just sort of with their mates being themselves. Yeah. Like it, it almost looks weird Sometimes if you see a comedian that you know and they put a bit in a pan like if you're watching eight out of ten cats, and you know one of the comedians and you see them do a bit that they've done on stage, you sort of see it being crowbarred in.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Whereas I find them funnier when they're looser and they are themselves.
0: Yeah. Or definitely. a version of
1: themselves. I think you're always a version of yourself when you're on stage. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because yeah. if you've
1: had a bad day you don't walk on and go like, Hi guys, I've had a terrible day but we're gonna do <laughs> the comedy now. Unless that is your your kind of character yeah. That, yeah
0: yeah well you talk about wanting to write about the the things that kind of interest you most and and that those kind of gender expectations are one thing um i mean what else what would you kind of say are the areas that you most want to be writing things about um that maybe you haven't quite explored yet i, I just find it a really interesting yeah
1: area. so i'm writing a lot um i've been writing more about my dad Um, because I find him quite an interesting character. Yeah. Um,
0: You spoke about him at the drive-in. It was really, really funny.
1: Yeah, it's just I have to... So my dad had a lot of, like, mental health issues. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I don't know if that's how you... I I worry about bigger topics, whether I can deal with them well, if you know what I mean. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. Because he said something funny... um, I said something to him and he said, oh, well, I've been having a breakdown for about 58 years. And I said, but you're, you're 62. So what, what, what happened, like, where's those first, are you just really bad at maths or what happened in the first four years? Um, like he, yeah, and but, and there was part of me as well. I'm, I always kept really, really busy. So I'd be like doing the boxing training, going to work, going to a gig repeat like constantly busy Mm -hmm. and I always panicked that when I stopped I'd find out that I had like a lot of mental health issues and I'd just been keeping busy and covering them up
0: oh yeah yeah and then
1: this happened and I was like Mm. oh I think I'm all right (laughs) (laughs) I seem fine which I don't think people want someone to come on stage and go oh look you know most of you are waiting to inherit money off your parents but I was waiting to inherit their mental health issues but it turns (laughs) out Skip to generation. Um but I do find it quite interesting because I think his mental health issues have stopped me doing certain things. So I don't take drugs. Um mm-hmm. because my dad had sort of a, is it drug induced psychosis? Oh. <laughs>
0: so I'm like, right, Oh right. don't
1: dabble because you know, you're you that might happen to you, but then we are different people.
0: Yeah. But I yeah. think
1: that's the start of a joke that you that he's almost um a lot of people see their parents as a role model and mine's become an example without even realising that <laughs> he's an example. So I well, don't take drugs, why Well, look at you, Douglas. Um, so I would like to talk about that, but it's just getting the confidence. And also I'd, I don't want it... Well, I know it isn't for the sake of it because it is something that I want to talk about. Yeah. But a lot of people talk about mental health now and you, I don't want to seem like I'm filling a, a gap
0: yeah but that that sounds to me like a very kind of unique perspective on it and and also i i remember i th- one of the gigs i did very 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 early on like uh i was lucky enough to be put on a lineup with someone who's like you know making it a bit in tv now and stuff mm-hmm. and i remember speaking to that person uh and i've lived with mental health problems and that was always something i kind of thought i would talk about and yeah. still to this day i've never written anything about it because this. TV I said to me oh yeah it's really hack to talk about mental health but this person's also gone on to be nominated for Edinburgh for a show talking about their mental health so I'm like oh, oh hang on a yeah. minute I thought it was hack yeah, but yeah I, I, so. I think if it's interesting to you and if it's personal because I think for me that that's what stand-up should be like it's you're the only person in the world who's qualified to talk about your world view yeah. and I find it so interesting and exciting when you watch a comic and you feel like you've gotten to know them a bit better over the course of kind of 10 minutes of them saying, here's how I see the world. Do any of you relate to this? I think that's really and cool. And
1: there always will be someone that does.
0: Yeah, yeah. Unless and, your worldview's really fucked. In yeah, which in which case, case <laughs> just stop
1: doing it. <laughs> stop doing comedy. Um, but also, because there's the other way where you go, I don't know if you ever do it now where you turn up at a gig and you look at a crowd and mm-hmm. it's the worst thing you could do. You judge them immediately and go, oh, well, they won't like that bit and I should probably, I'll take that bit out and I'll put that bit, those jokes in and take that yeah. subject out. But actually you can never second guess what an audience are going to enjoy. So I think you have to yeah. go with your instincts and talk about what you want to talk about because you're never going to know what those 200 people want to hear about. You're always yeah. going to judge it. Um, it's funny,
0: I talked to like a lot of people about jericho specifically and kind of like uh preconceptions they might have of an oxford audience um do you approach jericho comedy differently to you would to a gig you would do kind of on the london circuit or do you think that's a kind of a um, an unfair preconception to have that an oxford audience and a jericho audience will like this kind of thing but not this kind of thing
1: um yeah i think i think it's wrong to think that i don't know if i I'd probably still go there and there's still like a little niggle in the back of my head that goes oh would they like that um i always think i come across slightly more stupid when i'm in oxford because <laughs> i'll sort of start the gig and be like uh, chatting to someone and they'll say what they do and i have no idea what it is that they oh, do because yeah. they're some sort of scientist yeah i just end up shouting out does anyone do retail here <laughs> But you can feel it. You can feel it slipping because. But they're really like, oh bless her. Like, let's see more of this. Um, but I remember last time thinking, Fiona, you're not stupid as you just came across for that last hour and a half. <laughs> but it just seemed like every time I spoke to someone, they'd say something that I didn't quite understand or I'd misconstrue. Yeah. Um But yeah, you, you definitely shouldn't judge them. And I, I did a gig, in like a. It wasn't for Jericho, but it was in. Oxford um, and they were all very well-to-do
0: and oh, yeah. you
1: could tell they sort of had quite a lot of money and stuff right and I was talking about living with my mum and grandma and I thought oh god they'll think I'll oh, bloody get a job and pay your bills and buy your <laughs> own house but they loved it and they you know they were really enjoying it when I was up there and really complimentary Yeah. So that was me. That was me not being comfortable with my situation and going, oh, now I've got to go and tell these people that have done really well in life that I still haven't. (laughs) (laughs) But actually, they were like, oh, okay, that's your situation. Ha-ha. It's such a funny thing
0: about kind of just that being in Oxford for so many people is kind of like, has all those connotations of, like, they're all rich, they're all the smartest people in the world. And actually... It's really not like that. And at Jericho, we have a lovely kind of real mix of people in the audience. Um, like we also the way that Alex books it as well. I mean, he'll have someone, you know, well, like himself on the lineup. He's very academic. Someone like yeah. Chelsea Berkby who can talk brilliantly about philosophy, but also talk about like the Kardashians in the same sentence. Yeah, yeah, she's and brilliant. then someone like me who's done like, you know, performing arts degree. And so I know nothing yeah. about anything um, but the audience, they never, I never really feel judged by a, a kind of a Jericho audience in the way that I think it might be easy for some people to think, oh, an Oxford audience won't like this. But I think it is maybe one of the things that's so lovely about Jericho.
1: Yeah, definitely. And also, I think um, one of my nights at Jericho was when I had like the drunkest people I've ever <laughs> had in the audience. <laughs> Like, I remember thinking... And that is probably when my judgments came in, because I was like, I did not expect this in Oxford. (laughs) How disgusting that this would take place in Oxford. I would expect
0: this of a Birmingham audience, but Oxford...
1: They they were just sort of standing up, shoving crisps in their face, falling asleep, and I was like, excuse me, but this is is not what I had prepared for. I was very relaxed and ready to have a nice, chilled night with you. And now I've got... organize you um but it was just four <laughs> of them but then in your, in your mind you go god these bloody rowdy oxford audiences <laughs> like, no that was four people
0: yeah my first time ever emceeing uh was for jericho and we were at the jam factory up near the train station and there was a stag in that night and like jericho <laughs> isn't really a stag no. do kind of club and they were kind of nice enough about it but then they just got so drunk at the end, yeah. and they just wanted to do their own thing, and I didn't have the experience to kind of control them. So they yeah. were just like in the second row, all just chatting amongst themselves, and I was <laughs> like, "Sorry, gents, would you mind keeping it down a little bit?" <laughs> I totally lost it, but yeah. But it's... then I think
1: people admire that because they're like, "Oh God!" Like, because that's how they'd be in that situation. Yeah. <laughs> That, that's the you in you coming out going, I do not want to stand up to 15 stags.
0: <laughs> if I could, I would cross the road. You'd stand a better chance of it with your boxing background, but me, I'm I'm hopeless. Well,
1: no, because that was the problem with the with the drunk people. I started saying that I did boxing and one of them stood up and was like, come on then, come on. Then. Oh, God. <laughs> and I was like, oh, completely not what I meant. No, I was just trying to change the subject. No, 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 please sit down. Please sit down. <laughs> And it was oh. fine. But I think for a moment, the audience went, oh, my God, we thought we'd come to see comedy. We're seeing a fight. This is horrific. <laughs> um. so I think that might have been me, like loosening the we'll, reins a bit.
0: We'll have to increase the ticket price. Yeah. And like pay our acts a bit more if they're going to be coming along and having to fight as part <laughs> yeah. of the, the deal. Yeah. Uh, Fiona, I wish we could keep talking about this uh, for, well, all day, but uh, we've got to go to a lovely message now from our brilliant charity partner, Oxfordshire Mind. Have a listen to this.
2: Are you caring for someone and struggling to
0: cope? Suffering with low mood or feeling anxious?
2: Experiencing
1: discrimination and not sure of your options? You are not alone. Did you know that you can ask to speak to an Oxfordshire Mind well-being worker through your local GP practice? A well-being worker can help you to identify what is important to you, offer time, space and support for you to work out the positive changes you want to make and support you to reach those goals, tell you about relevant services you can access to improve your well-being and support you with making referrals. Our service is currently available over the phone to anyone registered with a participating GP practice in the city and Southwest Oxfordshire. For more information, please ask at your GP practice or call the Oxfordshire Mind Information Line on
0: 01865 247 Alright Fiona, now it's time for pressing questions. This is the part of the podcast where the fun stops and the interrogation begins. I'm going to ask a series of challenging, thought-provoking questions and all I need from you are some honest answers. Can you do that?
1: Yeah, I think so, yeah.
0: <laughs> I always like to hear the fear in people's voice yeah. at the start of this bit. <laughs> all right, Fiona, question one. Do you have an irrational hatred of any famous people?
1: Oh, um, oh these are on the spot. Irrational mm. hatred. No, I don't. There is someone that I always say I just don't like them, but I can't. I can't remember who it is, but whenever they come on the telly, I just go, I just don't like them. I just can't take to them. <laughs> but like I don't I don't troll them on the internet. But if they're yeah, on my television, yeah. I'll go. Not for me. No, there's nothing they can do now to make me like them. <laughs> if I remember during this conversation, if it comes to me, I'll tell you who it is.
0: Just blurt out a name, and we'll edit it in. Make it sound seamless. <laughs> do oh, you have okay. an irrational hatred. Yes. Barbara Windsor. <laughs> yeah. Actually, that was a bad example. She's just gone into a home. Sorry, babe, Okay. <laughs> uh, if you're listening. Uh I don't know how or why I know that about Barbara Windsor. Who knew that I was such a Barbara Windsor super fan?
1: I know, but I do always worry that I will <laughs> say someone like that and the other person will have more knowledge and go, You know that they've just gone into a home, Fiona. <laughs> and I'm like, I did not know that actually.
0: Um I was speaking to, to one of our acts at one of our lovely driving gigs recently and I mentioned a comedian, and I won't name the comedian, but I mentioned them, and this other act was like, oh, yeah, you know they're, like, super right-wing and nasty? And I was like, what? What? (laughs) I never would have guessed that. And they was like, oh, yeah, real piece of shit. And then about two weeks after the gig, I got a message from this act saying, I'm really sorry I confused that person with this person. (laughs) And I was like, oh, you've gone above and beyond messaging me. Otherwise, I would have spent the rest of my life thinking they were real shit-hound." I reckon
1: I've made that faux
0: pas before. Well, it's good that you're not naming any any famous person that you've got an irrational hatred for. Yeah, no, I can't. I can't. It makes you seem like a much nicer person than I am. Why, have you got one? Oh, I've got loads, yeah.
1: Really? And I
0: I feel really problematic because I think the main person who I just can't stand is is a woman, and that just makes me feel really hateful. But it's Amanda Seafried who was in like.
1: Oh! I watched her in Mamma Mia yesterday. Oh,
0: God yet, almighty.
1: I didn't She ruined the
0: Lame Is film for me. And I mean, that's saying something when Russell Crowe's in it. Yeah. But Amanda Seyfried singing voice, she sounds like Crazy Frog.
1: But yeah, but I am just totally saying, ruined know, I me. think anything that's gone from being a musical and then turned into a film doesn't really work that well. Whereas no. if you've got like The Little Shop of Horrors, which started as a film and then went to a musical on stage. Oh, yeah. That works really well.
0: Oh that's interesting. There's a but, whole thesis to be written on that.
1: Yeah, I just I don't because I, I don't enjoy the Lames film and the Cats film was Super
0: awful. It looked mad. I kind of feel yeah. like I want to take mushrooms. I've never taken drugs in my life, but I want to take mushrooms before I watch Cats.
1: You wouldn't need to. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to. Like, they're all covered in fur, but then I think, like, Judy Dench has still got a wedding ring on or something. <laughs> they just didn't quite cover it up. It's really odd. It's That's just a, so a whole juxtaposition.
0: Oh, it looks so bad. Uh, mm. Sorry, Tom Hooper, if you're listening, but, you know. <laughs> I'm sure you read worse about it. And Fiona, also if you do a
1: Cats too, we'll be in it. We'll, we'll oh, yeah, it. yeah, yeah. We
0: are very available. <laughs> yeah. Fiona, if you had to come up with the next big crisp flavour, what would it be? Um,
1: Next big crisp. Let's try something weird like a candy floss crisp.
0: Oh, a sweet crisp. <laughs> yeah, why not? That is revolutionary.
1: Thank you. Oh, um, wow. Only because I read this morning that candy floss was created by a dentist.
0: Ah, oh, the old supply and demand thing. I
1: don't know. Yeah. Sneaky
0: yeah. bastard! How do you drum up more business for yourself? Just rot everyone's teeth. Was well,
1: teeth? Yeah. Oh, so candy floss, Chris. We'll go with that. Bit of texture to it.
0: The perfect marriage of candy floss and potato. That's. <laughs> <laughs> what well, everyone's wanted, but nobody had the guts questions. to say. <laughs> Right, Fiona How do you feel about clowns?
1: Clowns, oh I've I've not got a fear of clowns. I oh, um, good. Yeah. I just like magicians more. Um. <laughs> <laughs> clowns this any day like of the
0: week. There's a story behind this. Like, do you did know a
1: magician what magician wrong you? Well, yeah. <laughs> my ex-boyfriend was a magician
0: oh yeah okay
1: (laughs) like not just like a magician like like a hobby and then during lockdown one of his card videos went viral and i've never disliked a magician more (laughs) (laughs) but if a clown video went viral i'd be sharing that all over the shop but not the magician videos (laughs) so that's what happened (laughs)
0: So, we're saying, Kleins, you're okay, but fuck you, magician. Yeah. <laughs> I think we can make that the official policy of Jericho I, comedy. Yeah, that thank just... <laughs> you. No magicians allowed. <laughs> Fiona, what's the strangest injury you've ever sustained? Uh,
1: strangest injury? Well, when I was about two, I don't know if you... I've got a scar on my eye. Um, oh. I walked into the patio door and split my face open.
0: Oh, no.
1: But that <laughs> too, yeah. But then the week after, you've got to question the parenting because the week <laughs> after, I went behind the sofa and came out and I'd, I'd smashed up my forehead as well. So, <laughs> And my mum's still like, my mum's still, her excuse is still, I don't really know what you did. Well, but you're the parent. <laughs> you should 100% know what I was doing when I was two years old. So they're not particularly strange, but they, they just happened too close together. And there's pictures of, like, this two-year-old with a black eye (laughs) and stitches along her cheek and stitches along her forehead, which I guess, from a stranger's point of view, you'd think that was one accident.
0: But it was just
1: two accidents very close together. And then, yeah, the first one was my mum's like, oh, well, I I left you with your grandma. It's your grandma's fault. So they just, (laughs) no, I don't really know what happened, to be honest, but they all just passed the blame.
0: I like that kind of no responsibility taken. That's just, yeah. That's my like, approach to things.
1: I just noticed it. I have got a weird scar on my wrist as well where I fell off a bike and just a load of gravel stayed in my arm. So- oh, no. <laughs> There's that, but nothing weird.
0: You go through all of this and you still want to be punched in the face. It's an amazing thing, yeah. Fiona. Yeah. Like- <laughs> you've endured more hardships physically than i could ever dream of and i'm still never volunteering myself <laughs> to get punched very impressive Fiona do you think you'll ever meet pop idol winner will young
1: um do you know what i've never thought about it weirdly no. um but i think i think i would yeah yeah because i just think everyone's like you know that um what is it is it eight sips to kevin bae oh, or something the- <laughs> Eight steps? No, not eight steps. What is it, it
0: kind of makes it sound like it's an alcohol recovery thing. Like eight <laughs> yeah. steps to Kevin Bacon. It's like you're a piss head, but with these eight steps you can be Kevin Bacon. Kevin
1: Bacon. That's what i that's what I base my life on. The eight steps of Kevin Bacon. It's not that. It's called the else. the
0: six degrees of separation, is that what you're talking about? <laughs> I know from now and on I'm calling it eight ox- steps to Kevin Bacon. <laughs>
1: You said all the Oxford people weren't smarty pants. Um, yeah, six degrees I of separation. I feel I we've got to one. play
0: this game now. What's the eight steps from Fiona Ridgewell to Kevin Bacon then?
1: Oh, right. Well, I haven't really done it with Kevin Bacon, <laughs> but I'm very close to Kylie Minogue.
0: Oh, go on.
1: So I did a dance class and the, the teacher was her choreographer. <gasps> so that means I come... Like and is that one degree away from Kylie Minogue?
0: No, I think two. One would be if you were I was being taught dance by Kylie.
1: <laughs> well, then maybe I won't ever meet Will Young because I think I've always done myself one step closer than I thought I was, <laughs> which is unfortunate because I seem the more I'm talking about it, the further away I'm getting from these people. Um, but yeah, I just think everything seems related. Like I've been listening to a lot of podcasts recently. Oh yeah. And I was listening to ones about drug smugglers. Oh. And, but I was listening to one about the wind of, the song The Wind of Change and right. how that, um, I don't know, it did something in the Cold War, Connor. Forgive me, I listen to a lot of podcasts. <laughs> but basically they were talking about their manager and then in the drug smuggling podcast, it turns out their manager was in this big drug smuggling ring thing and it was like, but I hadn't listened to them because they were connected podcasts. His name yeah. just popped up again. So I feel like people just seem to pop up. That's, that's, that's a...
0: amazing. So the, the takeaway message from this is that Will Young is going to drug smuggle yeah. and somehow be eight steps connected to Kevin Bacon. I might be <laughs> conflating things. I don't have a good memory. And my
1: dad but... will probably buy some drugs off of Will Young and that's <laughs> how I'll meet him. That's, that's the horrific truth of what we found out on this
0: podcast. <laughs> Alright, Fiona, what is the best kind of bread?
1: Best kind of bread um dough balls.
0: Oh yeah, brilliant. Yeah. That's yeah. an excellent choice. Thank you. <laughs> I'm really I did, I did not factor dough balls into my thing. Yeah, thinking I didn't know all. this is
1: where I'd excel, to be honest. <laughs> dough balls. Um right, big f- bit of garlic f- butter, f- done.
0: Oh lovely stuff. Fiona, what's the weirdest noise you can make?
1: Uh, um, The weirdest (laughs) noise? Mm. Weird. Shall I try some?
0: I would love it if you would. (laughs) That was one.
1: Does that count? I don't... That's brilliant.
0: What I'm really hoping now is that someone makes that their ringtone. A real Jericho comedy (laughs) podcast hardcore fan.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, No, I snort when I laugh, which is not great. But um, (laughs) none that anyone said, God, that's really odd. (laughs) I wear a a retainer at night, so it's probably more at night.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you need to. Oh, no, that was. I was going to say you need to record yourself at night and then send us that, and then that occurred to me that that <laughs> no. might be the creepiest thing anyone's ever said to anyone. Yeah. Oh, that's deeply unfortunate, so we just found out how I get cancelled yeah uh- <laughs> <Hi>. <laughs> all right, uh Fiona, final question on the tenth day of Christmas, what did my true love give to me uh
1: Probably. Ten of Spades. That was he was a shitty magician. No. Um, um, is that what I'd like for Christmas? Ten the, gigs at the moment. Ten the gigs, yes, please.
0: Yeah. the The actual answer is ten lords a leaping.
1: Oh, I was meant to guess.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Sometimes they're just trivia questions.
1: Oh, you didn't set that up for me. <laughs>
0: Uh, That was very bad hosting on my part. I will accept the blame for that. (laughs) Oh, I'm such an idiot. Okay. Here at Jericho Comedy, we've been having a really lovely time over the summer performing outdoors, online, to audiences in their cars, and even to audiences on punts, and a move that was almost Oxford self-parody. It's been really, really fun, but what we wouldn't give... To be back safely indoors with our lovely audiences. All having a refreshing beverage and squeezed comfortably into the Jericho Cafe or Common Ground. So we're going to magically transport you now back to Jericho Comedy. But not just any Jericho Comedy show. The highlight of the year in the Jericho Comedy calendar is always our annual gala performances for Oxfordshire Mind. So here's a clip recorded live at the Oxford Playhouse in January of this year from Jericho Comedy's very own Harry Ah, uh,
2: Fantastic, it's very nice to be here. Uh, I thought I'd dress up for the gala, uh, but that was before my partner on the way out of the house said that I had dressed like a Spanish dance teacher. <laughs> Ole! It's good to be here. Oxford is my favourite place in the world to do shows. It is a wonderful city. It's brilliant. You know Oxford is posh. Well, you know a town is posh when it has a permanent cheesemonger. Cheese, by the way, very much the best kind of monger. It goes downhill very rapidly after that. Cheesemonger, fishmonger, ironmonger, warmonger, fearmonger. What the hell is mongering that involves all of those things? Th- knives are involved! Don't really know. I do enjoy uh, I enjoy living in Oxford. There's some weird quirks living in Oxford. For instance, uh, give me a cheer if you live in Oxford. Yeah! Give me a cheer if you don't live in Oxford. Yeah! So every year in Oxford there's a Christmas tree sale, and it's run by the Sea Cadets. <laughs> Have several problems with this. First of all, trees. Those are not seafaring goods. Secondly, Oxford? Sea cadets? (laughs) Oxford is landlocked! How fucking lost are those sea cadets? God, we've got to send the land cadets to save them! Bit of a weird one. I do like living in Oxford. Uh, It's a very middle-class place to live. Uh, I'll give you an illustration of how uh, middle-class Oxford is. I once had my wallet stolen and it turned up a few days later, emptied of all the cash in a recycling bin. (laughs) So middle-class Oxford is. Even the thieves recycle their stolen goods! Uh, It's important to be an environmentalist. I do respect the thieves for that. Uh, It's hard to be an environmentalist. There was a a study published about a year ago by the government that said the most environmentally friendly thing that you can do, the most environmentally friendly thing that I can do, is to have one fewer child. Which is difficult for me because I don't have any children. (laughs) One fewer child than no children is minus one children. <laughs> I have to kill a child. <laughs> but I'm willing to do it, because I love the environment. <sighs> uh, I do like living in Oxford. It's a fun place to live. I live in what some people refer to as the rough part of Oxford, uh, which is, as I have explained to them, that is an oxymoron. You can't have the rough part of Oxford that is like having the dangerous end of a spoon. <laughs> Round of applause for dangerous end of a spoon? <laughs> no, I, I wasn't asking for one. I was more asking why that one guy was like, that's, that's the one, <laughs> that's it, I'm out. <laughs> uh, no, I do, do really like living in Oxford. It's, um, my, like, we do live in the rough end, um, and my housemate's quite worried about that. Uh, we don't have a burglar alarm. All we have is a series of motion-activated air fresheners. <laughs> all we can do is pray to God that the thieves are allergic to lavender. <laughs> he's, a, he's a bit of a weirdo my housemate. He's a bit of a weirdo. Uh, I once came home and he was so high that he was pouring all of my apple juice onto the apple tree in the garden because, and I quote, he wanted to see what a cannibal tree looked like. (laughs) A cannibal tree, I will tell you, looks exactly like a regular apple tree, but without my fucking apple juice. (laughs) Frustrating. I do like, the, the, the main downside of living in Oxford is it's very expensive. Would you agree, people who live in Oxford? Very expensive, depressing thing happened the other day. I still have a right move alert for properties in my area. Came up and said, Harry, we have found a property that in your area that you can afford. The property in my area that I could afford was a car parking space. <laughs> Which is depressing. What's more depressing is the fact that for £50 a month, I have very much considered living in a car parking space. <laughs> Buy a tent. They don't cost that much. Uh, I don't live in a car parking space, don't worry. And uh, I, I do live of you notice, the main reason I came here in the first place uh, is I, I came here to study, I came to study uh, archaeology. Which is why I have this beard and no employment prospects. <laughs> Thank you, if anyone has any jobs, please speak to me afterwards. Um, it's interesting, archaeology is an interesting subject. For those of you who don't really know the distinction between archaeology and other history, history is everything that's written down. Archaeology is everything that's in the ground. That's how it works. Uh, or another way of remembering that is archaeology is rubbish. <laughs> I'll give you another illustration if you don't really understand. Uh, if I were to look through your bins tomorrow, I would be a stalker. And that's a felony. If I were to look through your bins in a hundred years' time, I'm an academic. <laughs> that's how it works, that's how it works. Um, people are always asking me, as somebody who studied archaeology, Harry, have you had a time machine? What moment in time would you go back to? They think I'm going to say something nerdy, like the Dark Ages, but no, if I had a time machine, I would go back to the moment that Sigmund Freud had to explain the Oedipus complex to his parents. <laughs> what an amazing conversation that would have been. I like to think it was around the Christmas dinner table, just to maximise awkwardness. Uh, no, the moment I would go back to, by far, is actually a place I would go back to the biblical city of Sodom. Sodomy, the act of anal sex, is named after the city. How much of a type of sex do you have to do as a city that they name it after you? How much rimming would you have to do in Oxford before they renamed rimming Oxfording? Come find me after the show, we'll find out! <laughs> did like studying archaeology, it's uh, quite interesting. Uh, one of my tutors was uh, a primatologist. Primatologists, they study uh, ancient human behaviour, uh, very old human behaviour, by studying our closest evolutionary ancestors, primates. So they try and look at their behaviour now to work out what our behaviour was like in the long past. Uh, my tutor used to work at London Zoo, he worked on two enclosures. He said, "Harry, I worked on two enclosures, the chimpanzees and the orangutans. Now, both Very intelligent animals. We gave them both gymnasiums, new climbing frames. Very intelligent creatures. Now the orangutans, they took apart their gymnasium and used the metal poles to construct a ladder, and they escaped from their enclosure. Very intelligent creatures. The chimpanzees, also very intelligent creatures. They took apart their climbing frame and used the metal poles to beat the living shit out of one another. So at this point in the tutorial that my tutor turns to me, he says, Harry, of the two, who do you think we're more closely related to? <laughs> I didn't like what he was insinuating, so I beat the living shit out of him with a metal pole. <laughs> you guys have been absolutely fantastic. Um, I'm quite uh, difficult, I find it quite hard sometimes to, uh, to say goodbye. I feel it's quite a difficult thing. I'm quite, uh, I'm alright with it uh, virtually, digitally. Uh, love an email sign-off. Ooh, ooh! Love a good email sign-off. Give me a cheers if you uh, give me a cheer if you ever end your email like myself with many thanks. Yeah. Fantastic! Give me a cheer if you are more of a kind regards. Yeah. Best wishes. Yeah. The most arrogant of the bunch. <laughs> best wishes. You wish every single person you've emailed the best of wishes. You've got no wishes left, guys. I like many thanks, right? It's modest, you know. How many thanks? One? Two? Many thanks. (laughs) It's good. It's not my favourite email sign-off. My favourite, I was once emailing a guy called Luke, uh, who accidentally put his name before the email sign-off, which resulted in lukewarm regards. (laughs) I did take that as a personal slight. (laughs) also raises the good questions about what temperature your regards should be at. (laughs) If you want to sex up an email, definitely go with... Hot regards! Ooh! Ooh! Hot regards! I like that. Uh, My favourite sign-off I've ever seen by far, though, uh, was my boss once accidentally uh, had a typo in her sign-off and she sent, instead of uh, kind regards, she sent... King regards! (laughs) The monarch of all goodbyes! King regards!
0: All right, Fiona, now it's time for a game called Fact or Fiction. We're going to take it in turns to say three pieces of information which are either unbelievably true or total nonsense. Fiona, if you fool me, you get a point, but if I guess correctly, I get a point. Does that sound good?
1: Yes. Fantastic. I'm, I'm ready for this one,
0: yeah. Well, you're the guest, so you can go first.
1: Okay. So... Cows can sleep standing up, but they can only dream when they're lying down.
0: Oh, my God, that is absolutely brilliant. I have no idea. I am going to say that is fact because I don't think I've ever wanted anything to be that true as much as I want this to be true. Yeah, but it's it... true.
1: Oh, that's true. brilliant. Well, I say it's true. I I got it off the internet, so it could be false, but it's it true. Everything <laughs> on
0: the internet is true. Uh, oh, that's a fantastic fact. All right. Well, my first fact is that the Indonesian sparrow is the only bird with no blood.
1: Um, I'm just going to go with false because of everything I've learned in life up until this point.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is a very sound reasoning. And that is absolutely true. That is complete fiction.
1: Oh, good. I thought you were saying (laughs) it's absolutely true. And I was like, I've not nailed that. Yes, okay.
0: (laughs) Yes, I totally made up the Indonesian sparrow having... So we're um, on a
1: point point each.
0: One each. One each is all to play for. So your turn now.
1: Okay. Children of identical twins are genetically siblings, not cousins.
0: (laughs) That is mad ah the problem with this game is that if i get it wrong i sound so stupid yeah (laughs) ah this is so high stakes i'm going to say that's fiction
1: that's true ah no way again from the internet so you'll probably get a few oxford (laughs) graduates call in and be like (laughs) that email us if
0: that's wrong
1: that is the most false thing i've ever heard (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> they're they're genetically siblings, I guess because the, their DNA
1: is so close. Yeah, no? is that right? I don't
0: know. <laughs> it would surely depend on the the other parent Person, as well. Yeah, but that I'm willing to believe it. It's on I the mean, internet. This is the level of science that I was taught in a performing arts degree. I am exactly. willing to go with that.
1: And I did a dance degree, so we're on the same. We're, <laughs> we're well same covered page. on the sciences here.
0: <laughs> All right, well, my second fact is that the actors who played Mickey and Minnie Mouse were married in real life.
1: Oh, I reckon false.
0: You think that's fiction?
1: Yeah, I reckon maybe they're the same person.
0: Oh, interesting. It is, in fact, true. It's fact. The actors who originally played Mickey and Minnie Mouse were married in real life. And the actor who played Minnie Mouse also voiced... Uh, Martin Prince on The Simpsons. Oh, yeah, and she was married to the actor who played Mickey Mouse. So that again, this is all internet, but it's QI, <laughs> like the QI Twitter feed. So yeah. QI wouldn't lie to me, would they?
1: No, I don't. I don't that think has to so. be
0: true. <laughs> all right, so uh, it's two, two each. <gasps> so it's all to play for going into the final round. Okay, Fiona, your okay. last fact.
1: Female horses have way more teeth than their male counterparts.
0: Hmm. I'm trying to think of... Oh, okay. So my (laughs) thought process was that at some point they all had the same number of teeth, but why are men so stupid that they're losing their teeth? (laughs) But I don't think that's what you're saying. Otherwise you'd have said male horses lose more teeth than yeah, female horses. I
1: guess all so, the internet I'm... would have said
0: that. <laughs> yeah. Do, uh, do female horses have more teeth than male horses? Do they need more teeth? Why would they need more teeth? I don't think... That... I don't know.
1: Do, do, men, do men and women have different amount of teeth? Or do we all have the
0: same? Oh, this, this is why we need Alex Farrow here. <laughs> yeah. Alex no. would have like a hundred different facts about teeth. And I am still someone who's like, maybe the tooth fairy's real? <laughs> yeah. like, I
1: still leave them under has, my pillow.
0: Yeah, like, has science definitively proved there's no tooth fairy? <laughs> uh, I am going to say that this is fiction. I think. Oh, go on. Fiction, final no, what, answer.
1: What do you think? What do you, what, why, what do
0: you I think? I think that all horses eat the same way. And so they probably all have the same number of teeth.
1: Well, see, you're you're correct that it oh. is fiction, but your logic is wrong because oh. I just I just swapped the male and female round. So male horses actually have way more teeth no. than their female counterparts.
0: Extra.
1: Because I thought, how can I make make <laughs> it hard for him to guess? So I just swapped the two <laughs> genders
0: round. <laughs> relied um, on me yeah okay
1: but also what i'm not sure i believe is when like there's a, a fact on the internet that uses the phrase just way more like it's not like <laughs> it's not do you know what i mean it's yeah not, not it doesn't it's sound like, oh, like yeah, it's, it's come from more. like
0: an oxford university journal or something it's like yeah. a peer review find that they have way more
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like is this really who wrote this
0: Well, Um, if we have any horse experts listening to the podcast, if you get in touch with us and tell us how many more is way more, we will tweet it from the Jericho Comedy Twitter account. Oh, (laughs) nice. All right, well, my final fact. So this is for the draw, Fiona. No pressure. Okay. Actor Dick Van Dyke is older than sliced bread.
1: What?
0: (laughs) Actor Dick Van Dyke is older than sliced bread, so like a loaf that's sold pre-sliced.
1: So a loaf, a loaf that's cut. Ooh. Yeah,
0: yeah. So you know when you buy a loaf and it's. So they used sliced. to sell
1: them without cutting them.
0: Well, that's that's what I'm speculating. The actor Dick Van Dyke is older than the concept of pre-sliced bread. <laughs> so,
1: if you've made it up i feel like you're a lunatic (laughs) because to sit there and go what could i say and so i'm gonna say that's true because i just think yeah why would you think of that
0: (laughs) that's very good reasoning and it is fact, yeah. Yay! Dick Van Dyke was born in 1925, but the first sliced loaf of bread was sold in 1928. And so someone's
1: written that down somewhere, haven't they? Someone
0: has written that down. <laughs> We're coming up to the big slice anniversary in 2028. My God. We're going to have to have a huge celebration, like a massive toast party or something. Yeah,
1: no dough balls that day. <laughs>
0: So there we go. Wow. Fact or fiction has ended three points apiece. That's how I like it. No winners, no losers. We just had fun learning. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Fiona, before we finish up, uh do you have anything like how can we stay in touch with you and uh see some of your content and hear more from you?
1: Um, I would say I'm probably most active on Instagram. So it's Fiona underscore Ridgewell. Um, and Super. I'm on Twitter at Fiona Ridgewell and that's where I'll sort of retweet my gigs and where I'm going to
0: be brilliant well we will post links to those in the episode description lovely uh, for now Fiona thank you so much for, for joining us on the Jericho podcast That was really fun and we yeah. can't wait to see you again soon now that indoor gigs are allowed who knows maybe we'll see you indoors somewhere yeah in the next crossed. little while that would be <laughs> exciting uh, thanks so much Fiona speak to you soon
1: thanks having bye.
0: <laughs> bye 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 there we go. That was the superb Fiona Ridgewell. We'll add the links you need to follow Fiona on Twitter and Instagram into the episode description. Make sure you follow her to find out where and when you can see her performing live. Make sure you also visit www.jericocomedy.com for all the info you need to see our brilliant live shows over the next few weeks. We'll be doing drive-ins, outdoor shows, and keep an eye on our social media and our mailing list this week for some very exciting news about upcoming indoor shows. If you're enjoying the podcast, please do tell your friends about it. Share it on social media, like us, rate us, all that stuff. We love making this podcast, and we'd be super grateful if you'd help us reach as many of our lovely audience members as possible with it. You can also check out our other new podcast, The Dinner Party, wherever you get your podcasts. As ever, if you can donate a bit of money toward the vital work that Oxford Mind are doing, we'd be ever so grateful. We've raised over £70,000 in the last few years, but our regular shows have been disrupted, obviously, at the moment, so also our ability to fundraise has been affected. So please do follow the link in the episode description. Donate a couple of quid. That would make you a legit hero. We'll be back with another episode next week, but until then, thanks so much for listening, and (laughs) bye-bye.